Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Palme. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Live with CDP Podcast, Season 3, Episode 47 tonight. And I look forward to my guest, Aria Trilo. She's a production assistant at NBC10 in Philadelphia, and she's also a part of the game day promotions teams with the Philadelphia Phillies and the ICE team and game day entertainment with the Philadelphia Flyers. So I'm looking for, for I'm looking forward. I can speak uh, to talking to Ria today and uh, maybe talk some Philly sports as well. And to honor my guests from being Philadelphia, I wore my uh, eagle hat, go birds go. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, speaking to Ria. So just bear with me guys. And uh, we're going to come on and talk to her about her career and maybe talk some Philly sports as well. Good evening, Ria. How are you doing? Hi, Chris. I'm doing well. Thank Good. you. How are you? Good. So you're my second guest they've had from Philadelphia. Come on. Oh, awesome. Who was the first? John Marks from, uh, uh, was it WIP? Okay. Yeah, he came yeah. on. He was a really cool guy. And next week I have uh, Jim Jackson, the uh, voice of the uh, TV voice of the Philadelphia Flyers coming on. No, but Jim's a good friend of mine. He'll He'll be great. That's a really good guest. Yes, I got to talk to Jim. I've been to one Flyers game my whole life, and it was back in 1981 against the Detroit Red Wings in Detroit. So I'm going to have to talk to Jim about I'm going to have to see a Flyers game soon. It's been 40 Hi. years since I've seen them play live. Well, I'm sure that'll be a great chat. Jim is very knowledgeable, and I'm sure, as you know, an icon here in Philadelphia. So. Yes, I've been really, like I said, I've been really lucky getting great guests on. I've even had Tom McCarthy. Actually, you're my third. John Marks, Tom McCarthy, and now yourself. And then Jim will be number four next week. Awesome. Tom's another great one, another Philly icon yeah. that I look up to. So Yeah, I was going to say, I'm a Detroit sports fan, but the Eagles are my team. And uh, if Philly's not playing any of my Detroit teams, I have a soft spot for Philadelphia because the fan base there is so passionate about sports. And I love visiting Philadelphia for uh, sporting events and uh, plus your cheesesteaks, Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, yeah. Now, I have to ask, where do you go for a cheesesteak when you come here? Uh, we haven't been in a while. Yeah, 2014 was the last time I was in Philly. So I need to come this summer, I hope. Uh, Tony Luke's. Tony Luke's, oh, I have to, I have to disagree. I have to say John's roast pork has the best cheesesteaks. So if you get to, if you get back to Philly soon, try John's roast pork and order a cheesesteak. How far is it away from the sporting complex? Not, not too far at all. And not too far from Tony Luke's. It's like right around the corner. Okay. So it's right off of Columbus Boulevard. Okay, I'll definitely have to do that because there's, I guess, there's a number of places that have the uh, so-called best cheesesteaks. Oh yeah, P listen, people have their their opinions here in Philadelphia, um, especially when it comes to our baby cheesesteaks. But there are there are a few that are, I, I would say, Geno's and Pat's and Tony Luke's are kind of like the generic, which okay. tourists come to when they come here. But okay, there's some hidden gems. Okay, so when we're done the podcast, I'll get you to uh, just uh, send me a message with that uh, name of the business and address, and I'll definitely uh, pay them a visit the next time I come to Philly because I'd like I'd like to go to a Phillies game this summer if I can. So. Oh yeah, yes. We're after after the homestand they just had. We're hoping all good things come into the Phillies. <laughs> I gotta I gotta ask you this anyway, since you're from Philly and you're yeah. a Phillies fan, what's the take on Joe Girardi being fired? And and you've Phil Rob Thompson, our manager. I'm assuming he's been named interim manager for the rest of the year. Yes, he has. Um, my take, I think it was it was time for Joe Girardi to go, as do many other Philadelphians here. Um, I think maybe his style just didn't kind of coincide with the young team that we had. I know Rob Thompson is more of giving the young guys a chance and making them play. I feel like you have to keep them in the lineup 
just like Bryce Harper said, they have to play every day because that's what they're known to do. That's what they're grown to do and accustomed to. So keeping them in the lineup, having them play consistently is only going to help the team, help them help the players individually and the team as a whole. And I don't know if Joe Girardi was on that same wavelength. So right now it's looking good with the last homestand. Some may have their opinions that maybe it was because the Angels were on a eight-game losing streak coming in. Now they're on an 11th. The Phillies served them um, a couple more losses. But um, I don't know. We'll see what they bring with the Milwaukee Brewers. Tough team. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow night. Uh, the Phillies are, what, 28 and 29. How many games are they behind the Mets right now? I believe they're about four and a half games out of the wild card. So that's not bad. That that's they're still in it. That and that's another thing too. The wild card has given teams a lot of hope instead of having their season like, okay, we're done in June. I mean, listen, Chris, we're in we're in a ten year about. I think it's a ten year playoff drought. We need we need at least a run this year. We need yeah. we need to do it. I'm a Tigers fan, and uh, we've been in a, a bad stretch of baseball now for seven years, and I'm hoping A.J. Hinch can get the Tigers going. But right now the Tigers do have a lot of young players, and you're right, with young players, there's growing pains. But that's the only way they're going to learn how to play the game and get better is by playing and not being on the bench. I was going to say with Joe Girardi, to me, he's more of a veteran uh, manager for a veteran-type team. So uh, obviously he wasn't a good fit with Philadelphia. Right. and. I feel like playing those young players, it just solidifies the core for the future. You're only act even if even if you don't see a full solid result now, yeah. you'll see it in the future. So so we'll see what happens there. And then you guys are playing the Brewers. And uh, Milwaukee's a really good team, so that's going to be a really good test. Is that series in, at uh, uh, Citizens Bank Park or the Miller Park in Milwaukee? That is not. They are at Miller Park for that. Okay. By the way, that's a beautiful ballpark if you haven't been there yet. Miller Park. In I have not. No. I have I've, not. I have to say I have not been to any other ballpark except for the Citizens Bank. And then I was just at the Coca-Cola Park in Allentown where the Iron Pigs play. Speaking of that, before I ask you some questions, is it okay if I show you that clip? You posted on your LinkedIn page. So is it okay if I show my audience a clip of that? Yes, of course. Okay, one second. And uh, this is a great thing about StreamYard to you now. Hertz was passing to both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and it looked really good. This has been also a big okay? weekend for Devontae as he hosted his inaugural celebrity softball event in Allentown. Only NBC10 was there the entire way to take you inside the event. With more, here's Michael Barkan again. Fans lined up three hours before first pitch at Coca-Cola Park in Allentown. Eagles! Thousands of them packed inside the home of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, all to see Devontae Smith's inaugural celebrity softball game. BG was telling me last night about how they used to come and have um, training camps here. On your way up here, did you see a lot of six jerseys? No, nah, but somebody else had told me about it. It was like, man, you might not want to um, park in a regular parking lot. There's a lot of people with six jerseys out here. Among those that got a chance to meet Devontae and take a photo, the Kulak family of Bangor, Pennsylvania. What was it like to meet Devontae? It was awesome. It's hard to take them to see an actual game, so it was exciting that the players are here locally, that we could bring the kids out to see the players. Jalen Hurts was certainly popular. In fact, everyone from the offense was. Oh, I think the offense uh, is, they should, they have a lot of potential to score points. But this day was all about Devontae. You up? <laughs> Only our cameras had Devontae wired for sound during the home run derby, which included a big swing from our NBC Sports Philadelphia big man, Barrett Brooks. Okay, there we go. Now we need it right now. And a few more homers from Dallas Goddard. Hey, give me one on that. As for the man of the hour. Ah, hold on, hold up, hold on, let me get right. Which Devontae eventually did. I hit seven of them all? I'm whacking them all, okay. Devontae's efforts put him in the final four, but the championship gave the crowd what they came to see, an Eagles-Cowboys matchup, Micah Parsons, versus A.J. Brown. A.J., you win or what? You gotta go first. Right. It's for the division right here. Hey, hit three, then walk away. 
That's precisely what AJ did. AJ Brown's your home run derby champion. His third and final homer sent him around the bases before finishing with a party at the plate. You know, I'm going to stand toe-to-toe for whoever, so it didn't matter who it was, but it made it all worth it just because of who, who it was. While AJ celebrated his derby win, the big winners on this day were the Lehigh Valley, Devontae Smith, and potentially the Eagles, who because of days like this one, definitely connected as a team. One of Nick Sirianni's core values. Building bond, it just makes you closer and football is the ultimate team game. So I feel like uh, the closest teams have a slight edge and there's not many edges in the NFL. If you don't have that connection with your teammates, that, that kind of like mess up everything on the field. So the better connection you have off the field, it also helps more on the field. Michael Barkan, NBC Sports, Philadelphia. Anyways, that clip was courtesy of NBC Philadelphia 10. I was going to say, what was your part in that production and uh, how exciting was it to be around the, uh, the players and the fans there? Yeah, so the whole event as a whole, it was a very exciting time for me because that was my first time out in the field um, as working with, I've been working with NBC 10 since February as a production assistant. So predominantly my job was to run teleprompter in studio. Um, Since about a month ago, we got moved over to web. um, And then I was able to meet, being in the newsroom, I was able to meet the sports producer, Rob Questner. So, and um, I reached out to him and I was like, hey, Rob, um, I'm really interested in the sports side. That's where my career future lies. That's where I want to want to go in the future. And anything that you need, anything that I can do for you, um, let me know. And he was very generous and said, hey, I'm going to the shoot on Saturday. Uh, it's at the Iron Pig Stadium. It's for the Eagles. Um, Devontae Smith's inaugural softball game. Um, if you'd like to come shadow me for the day, you're more than welcome. And I was like, I cannot pass this opportunity up. Um, so it was really a surreal experience for me being a, a Philadelphia Eagles fan since before I can ever remember. Um, being in the press room, you know, hearing from the players themselves, um, just being in that atmosphere and then watching them all get along outside of off the Philadelphia Eagles field in, in a different environment, playing a different sport. You just see the chemistry between the players and, you know, that they really are friends beyond teammates. They're friends and they have a bond and they're building that chemistry. And I think events like that are paramount to creating and a successful team. Um, so it was a, a really great event. I robbed through, he said, get the microphone, interview some fans. And I wasn't expecting that, um, but he allowed me to do it. And there was a few clips. Of course, we got so much footage that day. Um, we got a full interview with AJ Brown um, and other fans, but y- you could only fit so much into a three minute clip. So it was really cool to be able to interview and, you know, grab a few shots for Rob, something I thought I was just going to be, you know, witnessing and watching that day, but it was great. It was, it was really great. It helped me professionally, you know, watch Rob because he's been in the business for over 25 years, um, see how he operates and see what are the right things to do and, and the right etiquette to um, provide in that kind of environment. So it was an all around great experience. I can relate to your story. I'm a little bit older than you in life, but now with this podcast and volunteering with Rogers TV, which is near Toronto, it's a big corporation there as a camera operator uh, is I'm now I'm getting opportunities to attend sporting events. And uh, recently the Buffalo bandits of the National Lacrosse League had me as a media member, and I got to uh, interview players and coaches after the game, like the real media does, and it was a great experience. And then um, Friday night, the Toronto Argonauts of the Canadian Football League, uh, they invited me as a member uh, of the media to uh, see their game against Hamilton. And uh, it was a preseason game, but it was great. I, I didn't expect it. I was invited to the the post-game thing, and, they, and, and Mike Hogan, who's their voice, I said, 
feel free to ask the coach and players some questions. And it was a great experience. And Mike Hogan, who's the uh, longtime voice of the Argonauts, is a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan too, by the way. Wow. that's I, I feel like the, the Eagles fandom is so strong that it's all over the U.S. It ranges all over. And Canada. Yeah. Yes, and Canada. You could probably go to every state, including Canada, yeah. and, and find an Eagles fan. I think the two best fan bases in the NFL from what I've seen uh, are um, the Eagles and Buffalo Bill fans. I okay. think Philly and I think Philly and Buffalo Bill Mafia and Eagles Nation are the I think the two best fan bases I've seen so far. Yes. Now Chris, I have to ask you. Now you are an Eagles fan yourself. Yes. However, how does you're still like kind of an outsider like being from Canada, you you have that outside view. So how do you you Philadelphia fans. Oh, passionate. They're passionate like I am. I love sports. I like beer. I like good food. And I love my sports teams. And I grew up as a sports fan. And uh, I, I just love Philadelphia's passion for their sports. They love the Eagles as much as the Philly. Well, I, I really think Philadelphia is an Eagles town first. I think the Phillies are second. But Philadelphia, regardless, is a great sports town. And they, and they love their sports. And the fact they love hockey, they love lacrosse. And uh, it's just a great city to, to, to be a sports fan of. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think passionate is the perfect way to put it. But I think we do need to give our Flyers a little bit more love. After this season, um, um, you know, I, I can understand. I, I'm, I sympathize. But, I, you know, the Flyers are, at the end of the day, they're probably where my my love of sports lies. You know you might dislike me because I'm a Red Wings fan, and we won our uh, first forty. We won our first Stanley Cup in 42 years in 1997 against the Flyers, against uh, the Legion of Doom. The Flyers were actually the favorites in that series, but the Red Wings they were just they just wanted it more. And uh, unfortunately, Eric Lindros never got that cup in Philly because the Legion of Doom were really good with uh, John Leclerc and Mike Cal Renberg, but they just never they just never got it put it together. And the Flyers have had some really good team since their last cup in 75. But you know what? The Red Wings are in a rebuild right now. So you, as a fan of a team, you got to stick with your team, win or lose, even if they're in a tough times. And that's what I like about Philly fans. They're like Detroit fans. They're loyal to their team. Right. Absolutely. And the one thing I always found interesting about the Red Wings, I don't know if they do it anymore, but correct me if I'm wrong, but is it true they used to throw octopus onto the, Oh, yes, yes. In place of for when a hat trick would happen in place of the hat, or was it a different different reason? It was it actually started in the 1950s when it only took eight wins to win the Stanley Cup back then. This is before the uh all the expansion in 67 and the Flyers came in. Back then it was eight wins to win the cup. So when Detroit they octopus, I guess I don't eat it, I don't touch the stuff. They have eight legs, so that's why they did it. It had to do with the fact that it was eight wins and they figured on uh, octopus had eight legs was a good luck charm. But uh, yeah, the NHL put a stop to that in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I always found that odd but great. I thought that was a great thing. That was so, so awesome. But I always wondered where did they get the octopus from? Like they it, smuggle it in. They smuggle it in the arena. Honestly, that stuff. Yeah. I I've never ate the stuff. I've never touched the stuff. But I guess people were smuggling it in and putting it in their hoodies or their jackets. And it's like, oh my god. And the uh, stuff. It's like, yeah. How do you smuggle that? You had to smell the stench coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the story behind it. So. But uh, like I said, I'm hoping one day the Red Wings and the Flyers will meet up again in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So um, I was going to say, how's um, soccer and lacrosse taking off in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Union and the Philadelphia Wings, who have had a pretty successful run at it in the NL? Yeah, the Philadelphia Union, the last two years, well, few years, but in most recent years, last season, they were very close to winning it all. Um I think it came down to like the semifinals and this season they are, if I am, if I believe I'm right, I think they are still undefeated um, considering a, a few draws, but yeah, they are, they are going strong. They are, I used to say, if they're the one team that's making Philadelphia really proud, it's the union. 
they're solid. They they really don't let down often. I think they have a really bright future. I'm hoping they win it all um, this season. Um, I actually used to work for them as well. I, I sold 50-50s um, a year ago there. That's kind of – I just love being around, like, the game day atmosphere. Yes. So any I was like, any job I can get to be in a stadium, especially a Philadelphia stadium, is, like, a dream to me. Um, that was a lot of fun. Philadelphia Union's fans are so passionate. I mean, Philadelphia fans are already passionate, but they love their union. Soccer fans are one of a kind, I believe. And they also have a, a fan court, the Sons of Ben. Um, and they have a designated area where they tailgate before the game. They're there about two hours before the game, have a big tailgate, and then they march into the stadium together. They have their drums, their face paint, the whole nine yards. I feel like it's every hardcore fan's dream to, like, be in the Sons of Ben and root with the Sons of Ben because it's, like, an awesome experience. Just to see them, I can't imagine how it is ch chanting with them at a game. But, yeah, I think the Union have – they have hit their stride. I would like to see them do it, especially under their head coach, Jim Curtin. He's a hardworking coach, and I think, you know, he definitely deserves a championship. Um, the Wings, they've been doing pretty well as well. Um, I think they had a pretty pretty good season this year. Few few things that they could still work on, but them as well, They, I feel like they have a bright future ahead. And I, uh, I'm a new fan to the National Cross League, and now I've gone to a game with the Toronto Rock, the Buffalo Bandits, and I love the sport. It's like a combination of hockey and basketball, and now I'm hooked on it. So thanks to my friend Pat Gregor, he uh, works for TSN here in Canada. He, him and the gentleman, or the gentleman from the Buffalo Bandits, John, uh, got me into the lacrosse league now. So I've now got five major sports I love uh, covering. Actually, six with the CFL. So. There's lots of sports right now. Yeah, lacrosse is another great sport. Um, yes. I was introduced to lacrosse when I entered college. I didn't really know much about the sport, but um, it, lacrosse is huge at my college, which is Newman University. Um, and it it really is. It's one of those fast-paced sports. It's very, it has a lot of similarities with, I would say, hockey and soccer. Um, and it's like intensity and hand-eye coordination. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's very intriguing to watch, especially um, the men's because they, they whack each other with the sticks and it makes you go ooh and ah uh, a lot of more times than less. But um, even women's lacrosse is great as well. I know the interesting thing about lacrosse is the men and women's the rules and the gameplay is very vastly different from each other um, as opposed to like basketball um, with the men's and women's. There are some differences, but not a whole ton. I feel like men's and women's lacrosse are very vastly different. And I was going to say, and I'm learning the difference between box lacrosse and field lacrosse. Box lacrosse is indoor lacrosse, and then the field lacrosse is out, obviously outdoor. So I haven't really seen much field lacrosse, okay. but I will maybe I'll eventually start watching that as well. But right now, I'm just focused on the uh, NL finals between Buffalo and Colorado. And the Bandits the other night won 15 to 14, and they won the game on a last minute goal with 51 seconds left. And it was just amazing. And the fans of Buffalo just went crazy. And have you ever been physically to a game, to a yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So as you can allude to, there's a lot of fun. They play the music while the game's going on nonstop. I love that part. Yes. So, yeah. It's another added element that just makes it all the more worthwhile going. I'm going to have to next year come down to Philadelphia and see a wings game. Oh yeah. The atmosphere yep. is great with the wings. Um, they have a lot of players that have been on their team for a while now, um, and it's a good experience. The dancers, the entertainment, it, it's all around. If if you come to Philadelphia, I think sometimes the wings get kind of hidden, but I think it's definitely worthwhile to go to. Overall, how's the fan support for the wings? I think in the most recent years, it's progressively gotten better. You know, you go to a Wings game, and obviously, in contrast to a Flyers game, half of the arena is full, so they don't even open the upper level. Um, I think 
but now with you know you're a newfound nll fan so i think with the league growing um the fan base is growing as well but of course you go to a wings game now and you have those hardcore um blood sweat and tears wings fans who are there every game um and support them full on but like I said, I think with the league, the fans are growing, fan base is growing as well. Okay. Are you still good for uh, some time? I just got a few questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah, sure. Okay, no problem. Uh, first one I wanted to ask you, can you tell my audience here in the Toronto area just a little bit about yourself? And when did you decide you wanted to pursue a career in the media industry? Yeah, so I grew up, born and raised in South Philadelphia, which was a huge, has always been a sport of, hardcore sports town so I grew up watching sports playing sports I played soccer and softball all through grade school and high school and then when I went to college I was like well if I I don't I don't really have the time for both so what should I what should I pursue and also I was also a dancing a dancer and a cheerleader growing up through grade school and high school so I was always running around after school immediately to practice um, sometimes two practices a day. And I just always had a love for dance as well. So I pursued that in college. And when I was thinking about college, thinking what I would major in, I had those conversations with my mom. And I was like, you know, this is a whole new ground for me. College is a big deal. And I'm like, I want to make the right decisions. I don't want to be faulty in my decisions. I don't want to have any regrets. And she kind of guided me in the direction of pursuing communications. Well, I always feel very grateful because when I went to college and I started getting in front of a camera and reading a teleprompter, my director at Newman was awesome. He believes in throwing you right in front of a camera, making you produce your own content right away um, so that you can realize if you really want to do this or not in your career. And so that's what I did. I was anchoring weather and sports for our um, university newscast every Friday. So it was a weekly show, fell in love with it, said, this is for me, found my passion. And I, and of course, growing up in sports, it's so exhilarating. It's so fun. It brings comic relief. It just brings overall enjoyment to any person, I believe. So, and it's just a great industry, I feel, um, you can honestly go into this industry and do so much, especially with living in the digital age now, podcasting, live streaming. Now there's esports growing huge. Um, there's so much to do, and there's so much room for creative expression, and that's something I deeply value about the industry. So um, I knew from the jump I was like, this is something I belong in. This is something I want to do. Fast forward, now I'm a recent college graduate, and towards the tail end of my time in college, I was like, I need to get my foot in the door. I need to, um, you know, get out there and push myself. So I was applying, 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 and of course, the pandemic hit um, at the mid-dead center of my college career, but I didn't let that stop me. Um through the pandemic, I was applying and I interned at a, a local newspaper in Delaware. So that's kind of where I started writing, getting to publish articles. I interviewed a local athlete um, who was in my university. He played lacrosse. Um, now he goes to Villanova um, for graduate and is playing lacrosse there. Um, just getting my feet wet in all these different facets of media producing my own show this past, my past senior year called The Sports Shift. Um, you can find it on YouTube and or on my LinkedIn. Um, and me and another fellow female um, classmate, we decided to build a show that would cover all Philadelphia sports as well our, as our university sports and give our like hot takes on it and just do what we love and talk sports. So it was actually the first female produced and anchored sports television show at Newman University. Um, so we're hoping that lives on next year. And I think two males, two um, guys who were in the production crew are going to take it over. So it'll be awesome to see what they do with it and how they continue to kind of develop it. 
Um, but other than that, I would just say anybody, anyone who has an interest in the media um, industry, I think you can never go wrong. I think number one, you have to find your passion. Um, what makes you tick? Where you're most happy? Follow your happiness. But I think it's very it's it's a field with so many possibilities. And like I said, freedom to express yourself. Absolutely. And uh, one thing I've learned about this podcast, too, uh, from some of my other guests, too, is listening skills. You already answered my next question. Now, where is Newman University? I know about Temple and all that, but is Newman University in the Philadelphia area? So it is. It's right outside of Westchester. So it's in Aston, Pennsylvania. It's a very small town, about only a couple miles long. Um, it is a very small school. I think the overall attendance is about two to 3,000. It's, however, it is growing, but um, mo most people in the Philadelphia area don't know about Newman because it is that small. Um, and when I was in my college search, it was actually between Newman and Temple, and they are very different. But when I was making the decision, I went to Newman and I was like, I felt like that was where I needed to be in a smaller environment to get these other opportunities um, to delve in right away, because I feel as though if I wasn't thrown in front of a camera my freshman year and pushed out of my comfort zone, I wouldn't have grown as far as I've grown today. So I'll always be grateful for that. And I feel like, especially in today's world, if you do have any interest in broadcasting or anything, it's so easy to just pick up your phone, record yourself, speak in front of a camera, even writing, you know, blogs. It's so That's what I'm doing now. Uh, that's yep. what I'm doing now. Yep. Yeah, it's so easy to do those things. It's just about catching eyes and, and you know, appealing to people's senses. Definitely. And, uh, yeah, I use my phone a lot at sporting events to take pictures, videos, my social media, and then to do the interviews. So, hey, this question you already answered already. But the second part I didn't ask you, um, did you have any mentor or mentors when you were starting out? I 100% I had so many mentors. I'll I'll too many to name, but I'll list a few that comes to mind. So when I was a freshman in college, I um was a part of this program called the Trio Mentoring Program and it was kind of a program just to, you know, go in once a week and meet with a mentor and just, you know, talk about what you needed to get done that week, where you were at and her name was Kathy Dunn. And I remember the first time I walked in there and she hit me hard. I was a meek, I was very meek and shy and timid. And she, but she saw my potential from the jump and she knew what she was doing. She was pushing me and saying, you should go out for this and you have to do this and do that. And I think at the time I did use it as motivation because some of the things she was very blunt to the point where she would call you out on things and be like, Oh, you're not doing enough. And I took that as a driver. I used it as motivation. And I said, well, I'm going to show her. <laughs> so I, that was definitely a mentor for me to kind of get me going and take assertion and, and say, Rhea, you need to do these things for yourself. If you want to get to where you want to be. Um, also my director, for Newman Media, Sean McDonald. He has worked with various radio stations. He works for 93.3 WMMR, Preston and Steve. Um, and he has a lot of a lot of experience in the field, especially in radio. Um, he's pushed me throughout my entire college career um, on the media side, live production. Rhea, you can go out and do this, um, write this, or and give, gave me the freedom to say, hey, I want to make my own sports show, my own sports talk show. Can I do this? Absolutely. And lastly, most recent to date, um, like I said, I'm leaving a, a, a bunch out, but Jim Jackson, who you will have on, um, I don't know if next week or in a few weeks. but Next week, yeah. Over the pandemic, I was, um, you know, looking for ways to stay involved. And Jim was advertising this broadcast coaching. So to do in his idle time. And my director at Newman Media actually sent me the advertisement. And, you know, if anyone was interested, take a jump on this. And obviously, I have looked up to Jim my entire life. Like, 
since I can remember, my mom joked that in the womb, I was hearing flyers broadcast. Like my dad has always been the huge, the biggest flyers fan. So all I can remember is Jim Jackson's voice. Like Gene Hart was before my time. And I know a lot of flyers fans consider him the greatest, but I do think Jim is up there. Like for my generation, all, you know, when you associate the flyers, you associate Jim's voice. Um, and then, so it was kind of like a starstruck moment for me. Um, I, I applied for his broadcast coaching and we arranged something and it was over zoom of course, but he is just the most down to earth person, um, you could ever meet. So knowledgeable. Um, he's just an all of, probably one of my top five people I've ever met in my life and someone who is so successful and so you know so praised and and as he should be um who doesn't need to be as humble as he is he he just is an all-around great person loves the game loves the sport um loves the city of philadelphia and he's just he's been one of my greatest mentors even after the broadcast coaching he said i'm your friend now i'm here for you i'm a lifelong mentor and that he certainly has been um, he'll check on me every now and then. Can I help you with anything? Hey, I see this posting. If if you want to try and go out for it, like he has truly been one of the most amazing mentors I could ever ask for. And like I said, it was always a pinch me moment because never did I think I could say Jim Jackson is one of my mentors, but he was always a role model now turned a mentor. So, and I'm sure you will see that Chris, when you interview him, how great he is. I was going to say, and I reached out to him and he replied back to me right away. And yeah. uh, I told him what I'm trying to do. I told him I'm almost 50 and he didn't seem to care about my age thing. He just, he said, whatever I can do to help you out and he'll be glad to come on. And I've been lucky because I've had Dan Shalman come on from ESPN, uh, Eric Smith from the Raptors. Guys I'd never thought would ever give me the time of day on my podcast have come on. And I've been very lucky. Same with Tom McCarthy. And uh, that's another reason I want to get in the industry, not for the money or necessarily the fame. Everybody in this profession has been really great and supportive of what I'm trying to do. And with you, obviously yourself and my other guests. And that's what I love about this podcast is I'm meeting people from other industries with their stories to share. And it keeps me motivated to keep working hard. Right. It's You're absolutely right. I think when a, a collective group shares a love and this happens to be sports and media, um, you just all find a way to get along. And it really is, I mean that wholeheartedly. I know I'm just kind of a, a baby chicklet just stepping into the industry, but I really do see people are so kind-hearted and they want to help you and they want to see you do well. And it, it's a teamwork effort, just like any sport requires a team. It is, it is definitely a team effort. Just like with me doing camera work, uh, I do camera work for Rogers TV here, and I do hockey games, live broadcast for the Ontario Hockey League, where a lot of the guys go to the NHL. Uh, Isaac Ratcliffe's with the Flyers, Conan, Connor Bonhamans from this area. So yeah. I get to see the young kids before they make the NHL here. And the thing is, I love being on live TV because things don't always go smoothly on a broadcast, but you're yeah. always learning. And 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 just, I was scared nervous when I first did it, but now it's like, I just go into a comfort zone. And, uh, and like I said, I'm learning so much from it and I'm lucky I'm doing the TV side and also the radio side with the podcast. And, and that's what I love about this industry. Sometimes things happen and you have to, you have to roll with the punches too. Absolutely. I feel like the nerves will always be there because if they're not there, then something's yep. not right. But, um, I use them as my driver and I feel like that gives you the momentum to do well. Okay, definitely. Are you still good for a few more minutes? Yes. Okay. Um, I guess you've already mentioned internships. Uh, I'm going to reword this question. Um, how important was internships and doing some volunteering in, in, into your development in your career so far? Oh, they have been paramount. Um, when, especially in this industry, when people see you work hard and you have a bigger work ethic and and you're passionate about what you do and you're willing to do anything to get where you want to be or help who you want to help. 
Um, I think that moves mountains and internships and volunteering are a great way to do that. Um, my resume speaks to that. I have a lot of volunteer opportunities that I've jumped on, even when I wasn't, I was unsure if it would be a good fit for me or not. But um, like my time with the union, it was selling 50-50 tickets, which doesn't look glamorous. It's not a glamorous job, but I took it and I had fun with it. I enjoyed interacting with the fans. Hey, are you feeling lucky today? Like just selling 50-50 tickets. Um, also, writing for a small newspaper in Delaware. That was my first internship. Of course, at its core, it doesn't look um, very glamorous from the jump, but you have to do those kind of unglamorous positions to get where you ultimately want to be. And I'm still very much so like in the depths of that. Um, I, I am willing to do anything that I can to be better experienced. And uh, and honestly, especially working at NBC10, where we have a, a large newsroom with people of all tricks of the trade and, you know, the directors, the producers. And even though I'm a production assistant, um, I like to sit with one of my directors who is Lee Polkon. She's a 10-time Emmy Award winning director. And she was actually my, my instructor last semester in school. And she's another mentor that I forgot to mention. She is one of the most down-to-earth people, um, one of the kindest hearts. And she's willing to show me how to direct. She, she was letting me code the newscast last weekend. So um, just... Going and showing out and, and being curious, staying curious and saying, how do you do your job? Show me how to do that. And when people see that, they're like, okay, this girl means business. She wants to work. She wants to get somewhere. And I think that's the main part about it. Volunteering, jumping on as many internships as you can. I had a goal. I said, I'm going to do at least three internships before I leave college. Well, I ended up doing about five and part-time gigs on the side. So, you know, you don't want to run yourself dry, but you could never do enough. So I feel like there, like I said, there's so many facets to this industry and you can never learn enough. Well said. And uh, I can relate to you. One of the guys who's sort of like a mentor to me is Vince Papale. He's one of the reasons I became an Eagles fan and his story actually kind of motivated me. He became the oldest rookie in the NFL back in 1976. And uh, when I talked to Vince, Vince goes, you'll be invincible. You'll be incredible. Uh, you'll be the oldest rookie in radio. And uh, he's one of the reasons I became an Eagles fan. And he's kind of inspired me because it doesn't matter about your age. Your age is just a number. And uh, yeah, to me, he He's one of my mentors and one of the reasons why I, uh, I'm so motivated to get into this because of his story and stories like yourself. Absolutely. That's another thing. This industry is so welcoming. All ages, all genders, everything. It's so Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I just got a few more questions for you. Uh, can you just tell uh, my audience a little bit about your roles with the uh, Flyers and Phillies with their game day teams? Yes. So I've been with the Flyers for about three years now, pre-pandemic 2019. Um, the least I could say is that it has been a dream come true. Um, that is where I am at my best, where I am like glowing on a Flyers game day, dancing in the stands, interacting with fans. That is where my heart lies. Um, I could talk about it all day, but it has completely been a dream come true. Obviously, cheering for my favorite team in my hometown is has been a surreal moment. Um, and also with that job, I had the pleasure to see how live production in a game day environment works. So I'm around the ho the in arena hosts a lot. Um, you know, obviously we do photo shoots and media shoots, and there's a lot of you know, video going on around us. And I look up to those in arena hosts, Everett Jackson and Andrea Halprich. Like I would love a job like that one day, the energy they bring to a game day. It's just, it's, it's amazing. Um, you can never go wrong. So that job has been a dream come true. And then the Phillies has been another dream come true working on the promotions team. Um, it's a game day role and it's, it has to do predominantly with the entertainment. So at the Phillies, instead of being the entertainment, I'm coordinating the entertainment. So grabbing 
God Bless America singer, the anthem, bringing them down to the field. Um, I get to ride the hot dog launcher with a fanatic, load it up for him. Um, and when we come out of, out of there, it's like it, the crowd roars because they, the, number one, do they love the fanatic, but they love dollar dog nights. Um, I'm not sure if you heard about the recent happenings here with the the um, Phillies and dollar dog nights. No, what happened? Yeah, so um, they they usually have like about five dollar dog nights a season, and they and this season it just so happened that the dollar dog nights were through at the end of May. So a fan, again another passionate Phillies fan, called up the senator and said, "Hey." This is not right. We need more dollar dog nights at the Phillies. And so now they're bringing some back, um, I think, in June and July. So, you know, just another another reason to allude to Phillies fans being super passionate and doing anything they can for their teams. But um, aside from that, that gig has been amazing. I started that this season in April um, and getting to meet so many amazing people. Dan Baker who is the oldest PA public address announcer in the MLB that another kind hearted down to earth soul. Um, just amazing. Um, him, Tom McCarthy. Um, I see John Clark in the media. We eat in the media room. So it's just, it's literally inside of me. The inner child is screaming because I am just like the, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia watching all of these people, but um, in the environment, I have to pinch myself every time because I'm like, I am so grateful to hold the positions that I do right now and be where I'm at and be around the people that I'm around, like so supportive. And they basically are what Philly is, passion. I was going to say, uh, I was supposed to have Dan Baker on my podcast last year, but something fell through. So and I, I, uh, I'm going to try again in the future, but you guys were lucky. You got Dan Baker for 50 years, Lou Nolan for 50 years, then Merle Reese, the voice of the Eagles. As soon as I hear his voice, I think of Eagles football since 1976 or 77 season. So there's a great tradition in Philadelphia with the sports teams. Gene Hart, obviously, Jim Jackson, and then the Phillies uh, radio guys now. I really like them too. Uh, thank God with satellite radio, I can listen to Scott Frankie and uh, Larry Anderson. And when you hear their voice, you think of Phillies baseball. Truly, Chris. Like, uh, I really do. You know, I'm biased, obviously, but I really feel like Philadelphia is one of the ultimate sports towns. And, and rightfully so. You have all these figures who have stuck around for so many years and have are, are some of the greatest in the games. And you know, I think I think that's what makes Philly what Philly is and, and just a great sports town. Definitely. And I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions. Are you OK for a few more minutes? Yeah, sure. OK, no problem. Um, how did you how did you come about the role of production assistant at NBC 10 in Philly? And what is a normal daily day like being a production assistant with NBC 10 in Philadelphia? Yeah, so as I alluded to um, previously, um, I had a professor in um, my undergrad at Newman. She taught television production, Lee Polkines, who is the director at NBC. And it was one of the best classes I've ever had. Um, it was very hands-on, real-life experience. And um, she was awesome. She was one of the best professors I've had. And after the class was wrapping up, she said to our class, she said, I have a contact for you. Um, if you are interested, send him over your resume. And maybe in the future, when he's in need of a production assistant, maybe he'll give you a call. I can't promise you that he will, but maybe he will. So, of course, me jumping on any opportunity I can, I send him my resume that night, cleaned it up, sent him, sent him it right away. Um, and that was after the fall semester. So that was early December. And right after the new year, I got the call and, you know, hi, this is NBC 10. Um, we want to know if you're interested in coming on as a production assistant. And he said, I have, but the bad part is it's on the weekends at 4am in the morning, Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, 
but I now anybody my age would be like, oh no way, like you know that's our weekend, like no. But I was like, sign me up, put me on. This is what I've been praying for. This is what I need. So I did that, and um, I was doing that for about five months up until last month. So beginning of May, they switched us to web and digital because I like to joke that robots are taking over and they don't need anybody to manually um, run the teleprompter anymore. So now I'm on the web and digital side, which I'm grateful for as well, because that's the future. Um, and learning that aspect is, is very beneficial. And um, so now we're cutting videos, grabbing from the live newscast, um, helping the producers. And but it also comes with a lot of free time being a production assistant. But it's what you do with that time um, that helps you out. So I'll sit with Lee, ask her how she directs, see how she logs a live newscast, how she codes um, the sports producer, Rob. I'll ask him, what do you, hey, what do you need? logged i'll log videos for him transcribe them um and then he'll let me go on shoots with him like the one i just went to this last weekend so it's all about it's it has been nothing but a beneficial job for me um and like i said it's some of it is what you make of it and it's it's continuing to evolve it has been the perfect demonstration of like what the industry is like it's effervescent it's always moving always evolving you're never sedentary you can never stay put because you never know what tomorrow will bring or you never know what you'll have to do the next day so you always have to be like on your toes but that's what i think another thing that i love about it and and that's what i can relate to and i'm trying to do as much as i can and try to keep learning and keep improving and stuff and my writing skills i'm trying to improve on that so um and i and i had just jumped on another opportunity sunday uh the ontario hockey league which is a feeder league for the nhl they're having their championship series right now i reached out to the league official today about uh coming to the game uh sunday uh, game five and they wrote back and they said yes we'd love to have you as a media member so and that's the thing too uh, things aren't given to you you have to go out and ask and reach out to people too yes yes and that was probably one of the biggest challenges for me because like I said growing up I was the shyest one in the room um even heading into college I was very timid and shy and now people who I meet now they're like no way you you were not and i was like listen it took me a lot of energy and hard work to get where i am because not only did i have to do the work but i also had to push myself at the same time and when you push yourself out of your comfort zone that's when you're growing so absolutely absolutely and yeah. when i was um, and and your laugh the first four years of my life i didn't talk and my parents thought it was deaf because i was so quiet and shy and now in my 40s and going into my 50s i'll be 50 on june 29th i'm now mr outgoing mr social i've i've changed over the years and to be honest even in my 20s i like broadcasting but they didn't have this technology back in the 90s and i don't think i would have been ready for it back then so you know what things happen for a reason and uh i I can relate so much to your story here. Absolutely. Thing, everything does happen for a reason and things will ultimately play out how they should. So if you just keep doing what you're doing and keep doing the right things and following your passion and what makes you happy, I believe you can't go wrong. Okay. Now this is a fun question. You've already answered one part of it with the cheese steaks and I'll get that information from you after. Um, any hobbies, favorite music, uh, particular favorite athletes, and uh, any kind of movies you like? Okay, hobbies, if it is a hobby, working out, I love to work out. I don't go a day without doing some kind of fitness routine. Um, also, dancing. Dancing is one of my biggest passions. Um, I, I just feel myself. That's why working for the Flyers has been like all, all – all facets of it has been a dream come true because I'm doing what I love for the team that I love for the city that I love. Um, and it's just amazing music. 
I'm kind of an old soul when it comes to music. I love some Michael Buble. I love Frank Sinatra. Again, my dad was always playing Frank Sinatra growing up. So I take a lot of, I give him a lot of credit for my love of the Flyers and Frank Sinatra. Um, I, but I also like pop music and country music. I've, I've really gotten into country music lately. Um, Florida Georgia Line, Dan and Shay, um, Morgan Wallen. Um, athletes. Okay, athlete, all-time favorite athlete growing up, Cole Hamels. Cole Hamels, for sure, was always my favorite. Um, and then movies. Ooh, that's a hard one. I would say I love, okay, I love psychological thrillers. Um, that is the, I will never really sit down for a movie unless it has, unless it's a thriller. So some of the greatest thrillers I've watched was Fractured. That's on Netflix. That was really good. Shutter Island with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, a series that's a psychological thriller is um, Bates Motel. That one, and and Chris, I have to say, I never really watched movies before the pandemic, but that's where I did all my catching up on and where I really found what kind of category of movie that I like. So, yeah. I was going to say, my Philly, my, uh, I got a quick story before I let you go. Um, my favorite Phillies, a uh, Philadelphia athlete is Michael Jack Schmidt. Uh, when my, uh, when I was 12 years old, my late father and my mom, my parents, uh, my late dad, uh, took me to Philadelphia in July of 84, July 27th, July 29th, 84 to two Phillies, Montreal Expos games at the old veteran stadium. And as a 12 year old kid, I was like, I love this city. I love this stadium. And I was in wow of the uh, Phillies and uh, seeing Michael Jack Schmidt and Steve Carlton and that. So that's kind of where I got my passion for Philadelphia is from uh, going to a Phillies game in 84 at the old vet. And then also uh, the Eagles 1980 NFC championship game. They beat the hated Dallas Cowboys. And after that day, I'm like, I have to be an Eagles fan because I loved how loud and passionate the crowd was and the fact they beat the Dallas Cowboys and I've never liked the Dallas Cowboys so <laughs> Michael Jack Schmidt is my favorite athlete in Philly and Vince Papale is my favorite eagle as well awesome yeah I would I would say um for the Eagles growing up I have to admit I my grandpa would always watch and I was so confused about the game growing up when I was like five five to like 10 years old. I was like, what is going on? What is this game? Um, but I have since grown to be a hardcore Eagles fan. Of course, you can't not living in Philadelphia. Definitely. And I was going to say, and I still have those ticket stubs from 1984 at the vet. I kept them. So uh, <laughs> like, yes, keep them forever because they'll never yeah. go outdated. And the last time I went to Philly in 14, I saw the Phillies uh, play the Blue Jays. And I also got to uh, have my picture taken with the Rocky statute. And uh, I actually ran up the Rocky steps. That's not easy. Those steps, if you don't pay attention, you can easily trip and fall down. But I, uh, I did my bucket list with that as well. For sure. For sure. There definitely could get a good workout on those steps. Okay. And my last question I wanted to ask you, Rhea, any advice for those looking to pursue a career in media, not just myself, and where can my audience find you again on social media? Yes. So firstly, advice, just keep working, keep working hard, um, but not too hard. Don't run yourself crazy like I do. I, you know, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, what else can I be doing? What can I do next? Um, be passionate, find your passion. Um, follow your heart and and look to pursue what makes you happy. If it doesn't make you happy, then look look to, in another direction. Um, take any opportunity you can um, and roll with it because you'll never know until you try. And like I said, in the in the age we're living in, the digital age, the year 2022, you have all the means at the tip of your fingers to do what you want, do what you like stand in front of a camera and just talk, um, you know, make your own music, write your own blogs. I think, you know, the, a career in media is, is effervescent and you can never go wrong. So definitely follow your heart and take advantage of any and all opportunities. 
And where you can find me on social media, you have my Twitter down there at Rhea Troilo, and it's the same thing for Instagram. And then LinkedIn, it's a little weird because you have to add the LinkedIn link, but you could just look up Rhea Troilo, and I think it it should pop up. Okay. I was going to say, I kept you probably a little bit longer, but I was going to say, Rhea, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, it's just great to hear your story. It's similar to mine. I'm starting out a little bit older, but our stories are a little bit similar. And uh, I really enjoyed having you on here. And I would love to have you back on again as a guest in the future, maybe during uh, the start of the uh, Eagle season as well. Of course, Chris, thanks for having me on. It's it's been great. I It was a pleasure speaking with you, um, hearing your, all of your knowledge. And it, of course, it's so cool to be talking with a Canadian Philadelphia fan. So that's really cool. And yeah, hopefully you'll have me back on when I'm working for ESPN or NBC Sports Philly one day reporting for them. So um, yeah, definitely we'll keep in touch. And thank you for this. And one of my friends who helped me with my podcast, uh, Jamie, uh, Jamie, the Philly sports guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's uh, he helped me with this and he's one of the Philadelphia's biggest sports fans. He paints his face up for the oh. Eagles and Phillies. He's all over the place. And to me, he should be on radio. Uh, to yeah. me, Jamie, I hopefully he'll get an opportunity because he knows his sports and he's so passionate and he's a really good guy. And uh, he's one of my favorite guys too, Jamie, uh, the Philly oh, yeah. sports guy. You can't miss him. He is at every game. He is dedicated. He is the epitome of what a Philadelphia fan should be. Definitely. So he's, so. he's great. Okay. Well, I'm going to let you go, but we'll definitely, uh, if I do come to Philadelphia this summer, hopefully maybe by August, I will let you know and I'll try that cheesesteak, that place that you mentioned. Yes. John's Roast Pork. Okay, definitely. Rhea, I, I hope you have a great night. And I'm going to, after I'm done with our podcast, I'm going to download it to audio. And uh, if you want to, I'll share it on your link. I'll share it on LinkedIn as well. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Rhea, for coming on Season 3, Episode 47 of Live with CDP Podcast. And as we always say in Philly, go Birds. Go Birds. Go Birds. Have a good night, Rhea. <laughs> you Thank too, you so much. You too. And go Flyers. Oh, and Red Wings, too. <laughs> Have a good Thank night. You, you too. Thanks, Rhea. Anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed my podcast tonight, Season 3, Episode 47, with Rhea Trilo. She's a production assistant with NBC in Philly and also a Game Day's promotions team with the Phillies and also an ICE team member um, uh, with the Philadelphia Flyers as well. Uh, guys, just before I go, I uh, just want to let you know, you can also follow her, uh, Rhea, on there. There's her Twitter uh, address on Twitter. And also, guys, just going to let you know, next live with CDP podcast, Tuesday, June 7th at 7 o'clock. My guest is going to be Marisa, Marisa Jacks. She's an anchor reporter with Spectrum News 1 in Albany, New York. And she's also the online play-by-play -play announcer for the Basketball League's Albany Platoons, who are starting game one of their playoff series uh, tonight against Atlantic City. Game two will be in Albany on Friday night as well. So hope you guys can uh, tune in for the next live with CDP podcast tomorrow night, June 7th at 7 o'clock with Maurice Marie. <laughs> Marissa Jacks. I can speak, guys. I sometimes talk too fast as well. So, uh, and as I do with all my podcasts, guys, live with CDP podcast, the audio version is uh, downloaded to Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, and LinkedIn. And also, you can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP uh, on there as well. And also, I want to say a special thank you to uh, Chris uh, Belinovich and Mike Hogan from the Toronto Argonauts uh, for last Friday night setting me up with a media pass for the Toronto Argonauts Hamilton Tiger Cats preseason game at the University of Guelph Alumni Stadium. I was able to cover the game as a media member, and uh, I got to take some pictures with some players, did some video shoots, uh, did a three-minute interview with Sean Bowen, and after the game, Mike Hogan was nice enough, uh, and Chris was uh, enough, enough, nice enough to invite me down to the post-game press conference call with Ryan Dinwiddie 
and uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson and uh, Chris Edwards and uh, Gerald uh, Davis as well. So thank you so much to the Toronto Argonauts and also to the National Basketball League of Canada and Audley Stevenson for uh, having me as a media member for the NBL Finals Game 3 with Kitchener and London with London winning their uh, fifth uh, championship last Wednesday as well. So I've been very lucky. And I want to say a special thank you to the Ontario Hockey League today. Uh, I've been uh, given permission to come down to Hamilton Sunday at 2 o'clock for Game 5 of the OHL Championship between Windsor and Hamilton and cover that game as a media member. And hopefully I'll get some player and coaches uh, player and coaches interviews and some uh, videos after the uh, Spitfires Bulldogs game in Hamilton uh, this Sunday at 2 o'clock. So I really appreciate Josh Sweetland from the Ontario Hockey League uh, inviting me down to cover that game five uh, this Sunday in Hamilton between the Bulldogs and Spitfires as a media member. So again, I want to say thank you to my guest, um, Rhea uh, Trilo. Uh, a production assistant with NBC in Philadelphia. Her, it was great to hear her story, and she is very passionate about her sports and getting into media as well. So I really appreciate Rhea coming on. And uh, again, I'm going to wrap this podcast up, guys. Uh, again, my next live with CDP podcast, season three, episode 48, will be tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Marissa Jacques from uh, Anchor Reporter from Spectrum One News in Albany, New York. And she's the online play-by-play announcer for the Basketball League's Albany Platoon. So we're going to talk about the Albany Platoons and her career in media and with Spectrum One as well. So, um, again, I just want to say thank you to everybody watching this live on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you haven't already. And thank you to those watching on Facebook Live and on my Twitter page at Chris D. Pome if you wish to follow me there. And thank you to everyone listening on my audio platforms such as Apple, Google, Spotify, or Anchor, FM, etc. So um, I hope everybody has a great night. Uh, enjoy the Stanley Cup game tonight. I believe uh, Colorado Edmonton game four. And also you have the OHL game uh, on TSN right now, Windsor and Hamilton game three on TSN. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So guys, we'll see you guys tomorrow night, seven o'clock for another edition of live with CDP podcast. Thank you again to my guest, uh, Rhea Trilo from NBC 10 in Philadelphia. I hope you all have a great night and we'll see you tomorrow night at seven o'clock for another edition of live with CDP podcast. Good night, everybody. Thank you.